Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When the red, red robin comes bump, bump, bumping along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his home. Sheffield Wednesday extends their unbeaten run to 20 league games. The addicts, well, we're still stuck on zero. Welcome to Charlton Live. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live. I hope you guys are well. My name is uh, Louis Mendez. On this week's show, we will, of course, be looking back at yesterday's 1-0 home defeat against Sheffield Wednesday at the Valley. Joining me uh, so far on the show to uh, to discuss that game is uh, Mr. Ben Clark. Hey, then, Ben. Yes, mate. Good morning. I'm good, thank you. But, um, yeah. yeah, in a good sense, but when you think about football, probably not. No, yeah, I mean, it's always best to try and not think about football, isn't it, really? But the problem is we're, we're on a, a show about football, so we have we have very little choice for the next hour but to talk about football. Um, so we will hear uh, the goal uh, back in a few moments' time so we can hear uh, Steve Brown's analysis of, of that defending, um, which I'm, I'm sure you'll all uh, love to hear. Um, we're also going to hear um, uh, the reaction from the manager, Dean Holden, uh, of course, um, after yesterday's game. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, those of you joining us on the live stream on YouTube, uh, send over your comments in the comment field or you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk 
Uh, or you can tweet us at Charlton Live. Make sure you have your say uh, on this week's show. Later on, uh, we're going to have a special guest, as we often do, uh, just bringing in different faces from around the Charlton family today. It's going to be Kyle Andrews, uh, the club photographer, is just going to come on and tell us a little bit about what he does and, and what he thought of yesterday's game uh, as well. Um, before we hear the goal, Ben, and uh, as I said, the, the comments have started flooding in already, so we will we will start discussing uh, some of the things that people have said. Your overall thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, I think that first half was a bit men against boys, wasn't it? Uh, we, we couldn't get many touches of the ball. Uh, Ash's d- uh, distribution was poor. Uh, it kind of seemed like as if Dean Holden said five minutes before you go out there, oh, boys, by the way, we're playing three at the back today because it, it took them so long to get used to that. The, they just, I mean, the goal was pretty comical, wasn't it? I mean, their right back, if you like, has had all this time and space to just take a touch, look around him and put it in the corner. So, yeah, it was just very disappointing first half. I mean, they had nine goal attempts to our zero, which is quite staggering, really, as we're the home side. Um, and then I think the second half, they, they kind of gave us a bit of respect. Um, started time-wasting, which I didn't think they needed to. Um, and we got we got into the game. We had some good chances, but as the case has been so uh, for a lot of games lately, we we just couldn't finish those chances. So it made for an exciting second half. So that was good. Although you just kind of felt we're never going to score here, even if it went on for another hour. <laughs> mm, yeah, we we did come back into it in the second half. We had that big chance for for Miles Lieber. But I, I sort of agree with Ben. Like, I felt like we were building up a, a sort of head of steam, but actually I don't know if I ever felt confident we were going to get back into it. Um, we, we've been joined on the stream now uh, by Joe Puddy. How are you doing, Joe? Good. Thanks for, for joining us. Um, we, yeah, we're just uh, summing up our thoughts on, on yesterday's one little defeat. What did you think? I thought, I thought we probably d- deserved to nick a point on the whole fr- from the second half, but I thought we were, we were, just completely out thought and out fought in the first half. Um, so it was a, it was one of those. I think we didn't necessarily get the rub of the green, but at the same time, as soon as an EK went off, I was like, well, there's absolutely no way that we're going to score now. Um, and obviously he'll be out for a, for a long time, but yeah, it was, I'm Holden said, I think after the game that he thought the shape worked for us. And I, I thought in the first half, the shape was quite a lot of our issues. Um, with Claire and Blackett Taylor were just so far ahead of the ball. Um, the back three just under pressure and they just knew how to press us. They had men over all over the pitch. It, it felt like they had 12, 12 lads on the pitch at times um, compared to compared to us. So, yeah, it's, I think it was a disappointing... I was disappointed at full time, but I think I feel a little bit better than I was expecting to feel. Um, although I did give... It quite large on the Sheffield Wednesday podcast how we're going to end their run, um, and then he asked me for my <laughs> after show thoughts. So I had to, um, I had to try and rescue some uh, some dignity, which I don't think I did. <laughs> no, there's one thing we as Charlton fans haven't possessed for a long time. It's a, it's a shred of dignity, unfortunately. But there we go. Right, let's have a quick listen uh, back to the goal then from Charlton TV. This is more so you can hear what Steve Brown made of it because he is a defensive expert. Uh, and uh, our, well, the way we defended that goal yesterday suggests we don't have too many defensive experts in the building. Crossfield looking for the run of Windass. Ness following him all the way. Windass in possession. Deep in Charlton territory on the Charlton left. Ball into the middle has picked up Bannon in space. Bannon thought about a shot, instead goes left. Ball now into the box on his uh, Palmer all on his own. 
And it's an easy finish and Cheltenham 1-0 down. Yep. Listen, it all started with a long diagonal. They pinpointed him behind Ness three times already in these early stages. This time they got in, they retained possession, they got out behind it. And this is what we talk about when we talk about purposeful football, playing forward quickly. You know, they don't hang around, they don't make five or six passes deep in their own area. They look to turn you around quickly and then they play in your half. And they've done that very effectively there. Once they got control, it was a couple of passes, ball into the box, Palmer completely and utterly unmarked. Good first touch to open up a very, very simple side foot finish. Sheffield Wednesday one up. There we go. That's just the highlights from yesterday. Just a goal. Um, I w wouldn't go too long into it because uh, well, it's, it makes you miserable, really, doesn't it? When we when we lose a game like that, um, as Dan has said in the in in the comments, we need Steve Brown to work with the defence. We certainly need someone to work with the defence. It's not exactly been our forte uh, this season, has it, um, Ben? Uh, and, and that goal yesterday, it, considering we've conceded a lot of really bad goals this season, that, that might just take the biscuit for me because Liam Palmer strode into that penalty area completely unmarked there was no one within five or six yards of him it was utterly bizarre oh it was just so embarrassing wasn't it i mean we are playing against the best side in the league they're top of the league but when you give them such an easy goal like that it's so frustrating um and yeah from that commentary they were going over ness's shoulder quite a lot i mean bannon had that chance just before didn't he where he curled a shot and it hit the outside of the post so the warning signs were there but it's just, again, with the formation, like Joe just said there, was, they just all kind of got stuck in each other's way and ended up Innes coming out to Bannon on the edge of the box. He then lost his place. Dobson runs back in and no one picks up Palmer. And he's hardly a goal threat, Palmer, because he's like plays on the right wing, like right wing back for him. And he's in acres of space to score. So... As goals go, yeah, it was up there. I still think one of those Barnsley goals we conceded were as were, <laughs> were worse than that. But um, yeah, don't really want to do a competition of one of the worst goals conceded. But yeah, as I say, <laughs> oh, like... don't say that. I, I was about to suggest we do that. <laughs> that, that, that could be a fun oh, top ten show to do or something. Top yeah, ten bad goals we conceded enough, this season. Yeah, um, the performance overall. Joe, Dan said it, it could have been much worse yesterday. We managed to keep it at 1-0. We should have scored a couple of times, but that's football. If you don't take your chances, you're not going to win. It, it was a strange game. like One of those, you know, cliche game of two halves because I thought in the first half we were nowhere near Sheffield Wednesday. You know, as, as Ben mentioned, we didn't have a shot on or off target. They had three or four good chances. They already hit the post uh, by the time that was uh, uh, that they, they went 1-0 up. Um, it, it it was a, a change in the second period, but overall, it felt like once more a little bit. You know, when we're playing those sides in the top six, and obviously Sheffield Wednesday's case right at the top of the league, we feel we, we feel like we're not quite on their level. And, and by quite, I mean we're nowhere near their level. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> and they, they've got quality in their side that we just don't have. Let's, let's be honest; they've got players that can score goals. Um, uh, throughout the team they've got they've got midfielders who can run the game bannon was finding space for absolute fun and, and their defensive unit is, is stronger than ours so when you're playing against these teams there's always uh, always going to be a bit of a, a divide and i think it just shows us where we are as a club we're, we're not near that level um and unless we have a really big overhaul we're not going to be at that level um i just find days like yesterday it's the hope that kills you 
there's always a chance, but it just feels like we've gone from a team who's really good against the top sides. Um, and then you wonder why we can't do it against the small sides. So being pretty mediocre um, across everything. Um, um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it would be it would be nice to be good against all sides. Um, but we're just not we're not just quite there. I think for for Holden in the summer, he needs to be now looking at how we rebuild, especially in these games when we know we're a long way off. Are there players that we can bring in out the youth squad to get some minutes to at least feel like you're building towards something? So even if you are a long way off, you can go, well, yeah, but we are playing the kids and that will stand us in good stead next season. Um, I just don't think that we're we're going to be enjoying the likes of Shuffle Wednesday. And I think Plymouth's going to be another one where it's just a bit of a hiding to nothing and you hope you win something. But yeah. Frustrating times at the Valley. Mm, yeah, I mean, all hell let loose. Uh, ben asked if if he felt that all three centre-backs worked. So, I mean, it is a question I asked Dean in, in his post-match interview, which we'll, we'll hear later on in the show, about if perhaps the fact that we had switched to a three for the first time in a while, did that play a part in the first goal? Because people didn't seem to know what their roles were at that point. People getting dragged all over the pitch. Um, did you think that could have played a part in it? I mean, we've... We, we've tried different formations with varying levels of success this season. Um, but no matter who we put in that back line, no matter how many of them we, we try and crowbar into that back line, we still give away silly goals. So could you argue it did work or didn't work considering the amount of chances Sheffield Wednesday had? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be hard against one of the best sides in the league, isn't it? And you try and do something different. Uh and obviously they play three at the back, so we were trying to match up with them. But yeah, I don't think it worked in that first half. And it looked like we changed to a four in the second half anyway, didn't it? It looked like Ness went to that left back. But I guess he's trying to balance it out as well, because you had Sessignon that doesn't ever seem to let his injury go at the moment, so can't start the game. I would love to have seen him come on yesterday. I think he would have made the difference because we were finding a lot of space down that left-hand side and getting some good crosses in. But yeah, it... I, I think it was good to try and change it because we tried to match up against them. And as I said, like you're trying to fit players around the injuries we've got, especially at fullback. But yeah, I think they they really um, got us there, didn't they? And Smith and Windass, they just they were very well organised side. They just played the ball around us really well. And I just don't think we coped well with how quickly they moved the ball and got in positions. And everyone forgot whose man they were supposed to be on, really, didn't they? At times. Mm, yeah, I mean, George uh, said yesterday, overall, not bad. It's another wake-up call for us, though. We are years off challenging uh, for the playoffs, at least. And it, we, it still feels like that, doesn't it, Joe? Like, you know, even like someone like Corey, for example, yesterday, who who is one of our better players. What, what did you make of him trying to uh, to get down the line and stuff? Did it Did it feel like it didn't really fully work for him yesterday and, and, and he's one of our players we were discussing the other day whether he'd be part of our promotion winning squad next season which is obviously a pie in the sky stuff but what, what did you make of him yesterday for example? <clears throat> I I, th- I thought he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing at, at wing back um, because let's face it he's not the strongest defensively um, and, it, and it also makes it harder for him to get going down the line as well um, I, I don't think we've got the players for three at the back so I think that that when you well, maybe you could do it with Claire and Sessignon, but I do think that then you lose Raksaki and Blackett Taylor's impetus. So when you're playing formations like that, you've got players like Blackett Taylor who are just going to look a little bit all at sea. 
Um, and if it, if you'd have played Blackett Taylor there or Raksaki there, I think you'd have exactly the same issue. And I actually think it contributed to Ness having a less than uh, sterling performance as well, because a couple of times he looked his left and then realised that Blackett Taylor just wasn't doing the defensive work um, and he was having to cover across. So, yeah, he, he was, wasn't as dangerous going forward and he wasn't particularly good at the defensive work. And, and I think we just lose that that ability for him to get one-on-one against the fullback and just charge forward, which is his strength, his pace and power um, in that final third are, are up there. And he got, I think he had one really good shot yesterday, but we just didn't get him into those positions where he can be effective. Um, and it t- goes back a little bit to last season, I think, where we were putting square pegs in round holes. And uh, he very much looked like a square peg yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Joe's, uh, you may have picked up got some sort of noise in the background. We're sat here in the chat trying to work out if his microphone's giving some feedback. It's actually a genuine noise in his house. So there's not a great deal we can do about that at the moment, but hopefully it will stop uh, shortly. Um, the thing I found, uh, we said this about Derby last week, Ben, and I'll say it about Sheffield Wednesday again. And it's quite funny looking at the comments from our preview against Sheffield Wednesday because some of their fans weren't too happy with the way... I think in particular Mark spoke about the arrogance of, of Sheffield Wednesday in, in League One. Um, I, I, th- I do think I countered that at the top of the show yesterday by saying, look, if we were 19 and now 20 games unbeaten and I went on Wed's Week to, to discuss how great Cholton are, I would sound very arrogant as well. So I, I, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday fans should take it too personally, but that is the reputation they have because you know, they're called the Massives and they have been for a long time. Uh, I'm sure they'll get used to it at some point. But... I don't think they're all that. It's weird. Like I spoke to a, a journalist cover, who covers Wednesday yesterday before the game. Just, you know, we always have a good old chat just to get an idea of what um, or what the other side's like. And and he was like, they're they're sort of they're functional. They do the job. You know, and and similar to to Derby, I don't think they necessarily got a second gear. And certainly in the second half, I thought I don't know tactically. I thought they were a bit strange. They they I feel like they could have killed us off if they spent another 15, 20 minutes on the front foot like they did in the first half, but they really seem to go into their shell. I don't know how much of that was us and our impetus that we got after the break, but yeah, I wasn't overly impressed, and I don't often say that by a team that's just broken their un- undefeated record that, that's, that, that's been held since the 60s. Yeah, I think I said it earlier in the show, I was um, quite confused how they started time-wasting a lot, and um just trying to annoy us, really, because I thought you guys played so well in that first half. And, like, yeah, they, they weren't amazing in that first half, but they played the ball round really well. You could see how organised they were. I mean, I was very impressed with Flint and Iorfa, and I was very confused why we kept whacking it long, uh, like high up in the air to, for Lebon to try and head it on or something, because you think those two are such an experienced pair that they're just, and they're very tall, as tall as Lever, and they, they dealt with everything we were trying to do like that. So, yeah, and I thought Famwo um, had a good game, just like that comment's come in. I thought he was decent. Um, but we saw that when he was with us, didn't we, with Famwo? We thought that some games he would look really good, and then some games he looked quite poor. But you can only play as well as the people around you, can't you? And we've had a lot of bad defenders around him in the last few years. But, um, yeah, I think... I was confused with them, but do you remember when Arsenal went on that amazing 49 unbeaten run? They started to like go into their shell after a while. They like either took the lead and thought, right, we're just going to stick defensive now. And 
and make it through the game. And I think that's kind of what they did in that second half. It mm. was it was quite confusing. But um, yeah, yeah, not saying they were as good as Arsenal. They were quite quite poor yeah. in that. I've been, I've been saying I've been saying it for years. That Arsenal team that went forty nine games unbeaten were rubbish, rubbish. They probably look at Charlton and they're looking up to us. Yeah, uh, SNC Davin said uh, the goal was awful. Famo had an excellent game for Wednesday. A player many of us were happy to see go. Yeah, I mean, I put a slightly sarcastic tweet out early on in the game saying I hope we get to see him play like a crossfield ball that goes straight out of play or prod one up the line that goes to no one because he did do uh, a lot of that yesterday. Morning to Gaz, he says this is great uh, for a Sunday morning. Yeah, Freeman says wasn't massively impressed with them after that. Uh, Wednesday fans said it was the best football he ever saw, but similar to Derby, you felt they didn't need uh, to get into a higher gear uh, to win. Um, uh, biggest moment for us, Joe, was that chance for Miles Leeburn. Um it was great to see him back in the side, you know, and he certainly did more than Macaulay Bond did. He, uh, Chucks, I thought, played well when he came on. But in terms of our strikers and in someone that we hope is going to be fit for, for more than 20 minutes, I think Miles coming back could be quite big. And shame he couldn't take that chance because he did well to get beyond the man. But it was a it was a poor finish from him, not what we've come to expect from him. <clears throat> yeah, I thought when the pass went into him, the chance was the chance had already gone because he was a little bit behind him and he had to track back and three players had covered by the time he, he got hold of the ball. So he did really well to get into the position and just snatched at his shot. But I think that we snatched at a few yesterday. Uh, it, he should be putting it on target from there. But he is a kid. You know, he is going to make those mistakes um, and we are going to have to bear with him. And his his goal return for us is, is really, really, really strong. So I'm, I'm not that worried about it writ large, but... It would have been it would have been nice to have nicked one because I think at that point we we were on top and it would have been interesting then do Sheffield Wednesday kick start themselves and come out or do they sit in and hold on for the point on the basis of they're just all about the unbeaten run and that's the most important thing so it was a one of those pivotal pivotal moments that just didn't quite go our way but he has that silky touch and and the ability to beat a player that that we don't have when we've got Bon up there. Um, as well as holding up the ball. So it is, you do feel so much more like there is a goal in the side with Lee Burn there than Bond. Um, and it's just a bit of a shame that, that he couldn't he couldn't maximise that opportunity. But I just hope he's fit because uh, he, he looked like he was he picked up a knock when he went off as well. So I do hope he's fit for Saturday. So it'd be nice to get him a run of games in the side again. And if he is playing regularly, he tucks that away, I reckon. Mm, yeah, certainly. Right, morning to, to Jonathan West from the Charlton Upbeats. I hope you're well, Jonathan. Thanks for uh, joining us on the live stream. Yeah, Chris Hanna, he agrees with me that only Bolton have, have really impressed us over the last few weeks. And that, that's that's part of what I found so challenging from, from the games against the top six sides recently, like Derby, Sheffield Wednesday. So they haven't had to get out of second gear to beat us, whereas we know we'd have to play our very best to go and get a result. Against them, um, HTTR says, uh, just goes to show you don't need much to get out of this division. Oh, for a pair of strikers. Uh, that that could score goals, and, that, and that's certainly something we feel about. Um, Chooks went off injured. Ben made a real difference when he came on. I thought we looked re- re- he was really linking up play nicely, giving Sheffield Wednesday something to think about. Um, but then he's injured again, you know. He, he's um, since I, I was working it out this morning for my takeaways, or last night, 53 games... Uh, since he's come back. So the first game when he came back last season was Cheltenham away. Since then, we've played 53 games. He's featured in less than half of those. 22, I think it was. Started five of them. That's a problem, isn't it? I mean, that, that we, we've, we've put a lot of our hope and our financial resources into Chooks and we're unable to 
get any realistic playing time out of him. And that's going to be a massive problem going forward for the next two or three years as well, the rest of his contract. Yeah, it's a massive shame. Look, ability-wise, he, he shouldn't be playing in this league, really, because I think he's he's too good. But unfortunately, his injuries are what holds him back and there's no one hurting more than he is right now. Um, he didn't ask to... Well, I'm sure he asked to be put on that contract, but it was a club that decided to give it to him. It's not his fault at the end of the day. Um, I do dreadfully feel sorry for him because, as I said, ability-wise, we, we we've seen what he can do. Um, and as you said yesterday, I think he came on, he made a massive difference. That flick on and the chest down, half volley, keeper spills it, and Lieban just missed out getting there. The defender got there in first. He does make a massive difference. His presence, his ball, um, taking the ball on um, with players, players see his presence, they get scared when he comes on. We know what he can give us, but yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we'll see him for a while if that's his hamstring gone. Um, yeah, a massive shame, but... Yeah, I don't know, don't know what you do. I know Holden tried to get a pre-season game with him in the last when he pulled up against Portsmouth and missed the warm-up, but it's only so much you can do of him, it seems. I, I mean, what was it? A bit of an innocuous stretch with that defender yesterday, wasn't it? And he kind of just pulled up straight away and you knew it looked bad. So, yeah, massive shame for Charks, and I really feel for him. But, yeah, I don't know what where you can turn to now. We've just seen it so many times with him now, haven't we? Yeah, when we bring in our guest, uh, Kyle Andrews, a bit later on in the show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Kyle about um, the, the mental strain of, of constantly being injured on players. Uh, Kyle did um, his Mental Well Balling podcast where he spoke to players like Lewis Page, Jake Forster, Cascu, who've been for that. So actually, from, from a player's point of view, I think Kyle can give us a, a bit of insight uh, on that. Dan said he feels for Chooks. Um, surely at some time we'll have to reconsider his options. Um, are we rushing him back and he keeps getting injured? I don't think we are rushing him back if we're looking at the amount of time he spent out. Paul said, uh, Wednesday were reasonably dynamic in the first half, but certainly not Bolton levels. Uh, to have any hope, we need a rebuild of the 2011-12 pre-season proportions, uh, which is not happening under the current ownership. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to that shortly. And then Tommy is listening out in Perth in West Australia morning or evening, I guess, out there, Tommy. Um, didn't watch the game last night due to time difference. Do you reckon we knock this season on the head? and started looking recruiting players for next season. In an ideal world, yes, we would. But unfortunately, because of the ownership crisis uh, that we're in, uh, we, we, can't really, we can't really suggest that we can do that yet. It's bizarre. Right, let's hear from uh, the Addicts boss, uh, Dean Holden, uh, came to speak to me after yesterday's game. I asked for his thoughts on the defeat against Sheffield Wednesday. Defeat against the league leaders. What did you make of it overall? Um, you know what, you can't give a... I mean, they've. I think they've gone twenty games and beaten a club record. You, you can't give a, a top team a, a leg up like we did. I mean, it's. I've not seen the goal back yet, to be fair. But he's. Palmer seemed to stroll in on, onto the penalty spot with no one near him, and it's an easy goal from from their point of view. Really poor from us, but. You know what? I didn't think there was a lot in the first half. I think they had isolated chances and big chances. Um, but we had some decent control. We didn't really get in behind them enough and threaten them enough. Um, and the message at half time was to was to do exactly that, was to play with more purpose. That's all Chef Wednesday did to us, you know, they, they turned us around, they didn't try and overplay, they got up on second. That's all we did. Fifteen, twenty minutes at the start of the second half, that's all we did, and we had some chances from it, didn't we? And if Miles's chance goes the wrong, you know, a centimetre the other side of the post, we're we're back in it at one one. And who knows what could happen. So that they are fine margins. Um I don't like admitting it, to be honest, but I think we have to say that, you know, that's where we want to be as a club and you have to look at the season as a whole and you know they're on such a great run at the moment, you can see that confidence within their team and there's a real spirit. And you know the players kept going second half. To be fair to them, I've got no 
no complaints at all with, with work rate or anything like that. It was just a little bit of, of, of a quality difference, I think, in, in that final part of the pitch. Yeah, changed the shape. Was that to, to match up Sheffield Wednesday today? And do you think perhaps that, that played a part in the first goal? They're still getting used to their new roles? No, I don't think. I mean, I'm going to watch the game back tomorrow like I do every Sunday afternoon but or Sunday morning. But no, I, w- I wouldn't say so. I think overall you look at the game, I think that you know they've got two strikers up there, whether it's Smith, Windass, whether it's um, Gregory that comes on. They're going to give you problems and I felt that we needed uh, an extra centre-back in there. Um, you have to th- think about set pieces. They've got three giants at centre back. They've got obviously Smith up front. They've got Palmer, a wing back, who, who's a big old boy as well. So you need to be mindful of that as well. But it certainly wasn't a team that would, you know, to combat them as, as such. It was, a, a, I felt, a team that could get the, our better players on the pitch um, and give us that strength and solidity. What did you think was the change in that second half? Because Charlton certainly came back into it in the final 25 minutes or so. We played with more purpose. We. We passed the ball forward more. We didn't, you know, we'd, we'd have had, if you, if you look at the stats, we'd, which I'm not too interested in, to be honest, but you know, I think that would probably back it up. We had less passes in our half. We played in their half of the pitch. I remember being stood in the dugout and my eyes were focused on, on the, the covered end for, for certainly for 15, 20 minutes of that second half. Um, and we had waves of attack and we put them under pressure. We asked them questions. Um, as I say, we just couldn't quite find that moment of quality to get us back into it. Chuck's made a, a big difference when he came on, um, and, and unfortunately he's had he's had dreadful luck with his injuries over the time at Charlton. Do you know sort of early prognosis of what's happened there? Yeah, uh, well he's awaiting a scan on Monday. I think we'll get the weekend out of the way. It looks like he might have pulled his hamstring on first uh, diagnosis, but you know we'll see what the scan result says on that. So um, fingers crossed. To be honest, I think Chuck's has obviously had a really stop start season. Um, He's worked so hard in this four or five week period that he's to get himself back fit again. And again, we'll just have to we'll just have to see. But you're right, he had, a, he had an impact when he came on. I think we have to mention Miles Leeburn as well. I think he's been out injured for a couple of weeks and thought he led the line well. He, he's difficult against three giants uh, around him who, who were really physical. But I think in terms of his, his development and, and moving forward, that was a, that was a real plus for us. Yeah, and, and looking ahead just to, to Peterborough on Tuesday, they put put five past uh, Plymouth today, so they'll obviously be in, in in good spirits. That'll be another tough one for you. Yeah, of course, every game is. I think that that underlines. Um, I think that underlines the division, doesn't it? You know, the, the fact that they've gone and won five two home to to Plymouth today. Um, hopefully, Jez Raksaki won't get a, a knee high challenge like he got in that first half today. I don't like talking about referees, but how oh, well, that's not a red card. I've not seen a tackle like that for a number of years now. It's a ridiculous tackle, and how it didn't lead to, to them going out of 10 men, I have no idea. But it's certainly not the reason we lost the game. Um, I don't like it when our better players are targeting like that. Lucas Ness made a crucial intervention yep. to keep Josh Windus out. You know, how important has his contribution been over the past few weeks? Well, he's a really good young player, Lucas. Obviously, he spent the first half of the season on loan at, uh, prior to me coming in at Torquay. And uh, coming into the job, I was looking at different options to get certain players in the team and he really impressed me in that first period of training sessions and games and he's Mr Consistent. He's got a lot to learn, I have to say, positionally and when he's going against certain different types of strikers, you have to mix his game up a little bit. But he's certainly got the raw, um, he's certainly got the raw attributes for a, for a young centre-back to, to, you know, to go up a level and have a really good career. I've worked with uh, centre-backs of his ilk in, in my time previously. I think about Adam Webster, we signed at Bristol City from from Portsmouth, he spent one year with us and then got a, a fantastic move to Brighton in the Premier League. And I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying Nessie's got certainly got attributes that could get him to, to that high level. I think the biggest one of all of it is his temperament and his attitude. And uh, he was the first to admit he's got a lot to learn, he's got a lot to, 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 to develop, but you know, I've been pleased with him over the, over the period of time. Yeah. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers there. And it's done. Yes! 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 Oh, it's yes! Oh, Patrick Barr! Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. Uh, yeah, we just heard from the, the Addicts boss, Dean Holden, after yesterday's defeat against Sheffield Wednesday. All hell let loose, asked why he sounds so miserable talking to me, but happy speaking to Charlotte. After... I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I have to say I hadn't picked up on that. Uh, maybe it's my dour interviewing style where he knows it. I've got to put him on a back foot. There's always a question coming. Now, uh, point of discussion earlier on, um, the, the, a couple of people have asked questions now. Um, I've just brought up, for those watching on YouTube, onto the screen, a picture of Dean Holden in the Oak uh, yesterday. Um, I, uh, I, Whenever I go in there, something happens. That's only the second, that's, I think that's only about the second time I've been in there in the last year. And the first time was when uh, Thomas Sangard started playing his guitar. I did start wondering if like, Dean Holden was going to start strumming a few notes at some point. Um, but um, it, it caused a bit of consternation. I say, the, the strange thing was, so yesterday pre-game, I was sat in, in the press room having a chat with a few people because I'd seen on, on Twitter a tweet about Dean going into the pub and sticking like 100 or 200 quid behind the bar. Um, and, and a few people were saying, well, why, why is he doing that? Um, you know, and when I then put up that picture of him in there yesterday, again, it got a bit of a mixed reaction from supporters. Uh, Bob saying, uh, what do you guys think of Dean Holden drinking with the fan? I'm not sure it sits right with me. I can't make up my mind. It's a strange situation uh, that doesn't happen uh, everywhere else. Davin said, I don't get the outrage from some fans regarding Holden going down uh, the oak last night. And and Dan saying, Holden doing what he did at the pub before and after shows his class as a person. I'm curious as to what you thought of it, Ben. So obviously, you were in there with me. I didn't. I, I wasn't hanging around long anyway. I was only in for, for a quick one and then I shot off. So I don't know how long Dean Holden stayed or anything like that. Um, when you look at it, so I mean, Thomas going in the pub last year and playing his guitar, massive ego trip. We all knew what that was about. Even those of us who were in there were like, this is weird. Um, back in the old days, and this is something you hear from a lot of you know, more experienced supporters, is that, oh, you know, you'd, you'd go to the pub after and the players would be there and then you'd see the player on the bus on the way home and the manager. You, players and managers were a lot more accessible. That's not the case now. 
do you find it strange that Dean does that, or do you find it good, like like Davin has said there, and 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 Dan as well? Like he he's being sort of interpersonal, or do you think he's trying too hard to win the fans over? Which way do you see it? I I thought it was good. I mean, we turned around, didn't we? And he he come walking in. He was with his two kids, um, and it wasn't like he was sat down. And having a laugh, going, oh, yeah, we lost, didn't we? We were rubbish or anything. He was stern-faced. He was sat down talking to supporters. I mean, he went round the whole pub. Um, and you just saw him, like, people were talking to him, asking his viewpoints, asking different bits and bobs. Um, I think he saw you and thought, and then he started to be miserable again because he didn't want to start talking to you. He wanted to talk to Charlotte, obviously. Um, but no, I thought his face, it was good. His face like, did change when he saw me. He was like, oh, you're in here as well, are you? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, did, I'm not going to ask you any more questions now and I'm here. But like, I got a picture um, with him and my mate and he didn't smile in the photo. I put it up in the group chat and I was like, cool. He looks awkward, but he, he just said to me, he was like, I don't want to smile. I'm not really happy, but <laughs> I talked to fans and stuff like that. So I thought, yeah, look, when have we had a manager go in the pub? I think um, fans kind of read too much into stuff. I think it, the vibe is so negative at the moment that we're just trying to latch on to other negative things. Like, look, if you don't agree with um, some of his tactics of late and you think our performances have been bad, plenty of people said that to him yesterday. Um, and, and he realises that as well. But I know he's going to the uh, cup final today, so he, that's why he was there with his kids and they're going down um, to the game at Wembley. So just getting ready for that. And yeah, I think it's open, honest chats with people. It's good. Um, mm. Yeah, because it's not happened before. I don't think you can relate it to anything else, can you really? Yeah, like, well, I, I think that the obvious connection that people were making was to when Thomas went in and played his guitar, which was like, you know, when, when, when you're the owner in charge of a club that's doing extremely poorly, you, should you be focusing on, on strumming your ego and your guitar in, in, in the local boozer or should you be worrying about other stuff but you know a lot of fans said that about Dean yesterday should he should he be mixing with fans like that trying to win them over after a poor performance just because he's a good bloke like that and he's a good bloke does that that doesn't make him a good manager for example that's what some of the comments were like on on Twitter I mean Joe obviously not the right pub as far as you're concerned because you own a you own a, the micro pub a little bit further down the road um but yeah what, what did you think about it? i mean all hell let loose says curve steve brown and scott Minter are allowed to go to the oak post game but is dino not allowed to well i guess the difference there is not, none of curves brownie and, and minto have uh, responsibility for the running of the team at the moment yeah and they tend to do it when we play away games as well when they know it's quiet and they don't have to answer the questions about why we're so bad um which is a uh... A, a better tactic, I would say. Um, look, I'm I'm all for more engagement with fans. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a positive thing. I do think that um, it's almost a, a nice way for him to signal to people that, regardless of what's happening behind the scenes, he still wants to be part of the club, and he he has bought into us as a, a fan base, and it does help build that connection as well. So I, I think it's I think it is a good a good idea writ large but and if he only went in when we're winning then people be like well okay you just want the the adulation and the applause I think it's quite nice for him to actually take it on the chin and do it when the chips are down and and accept it um so you know I think we've we've got to remember these people are managers and players are people too um and and they deserve a little bit of (laughs) freedom in their life and enjoying it and you know Carl would have a pint in Greenwich on a Friday night before a game, um, you know, when he was manager. So 
you know, I, I, I'm actually happier with him having a pint after the game than the Friday night directly before the game, uh, you know, blatantly in, in the area. Because I think it's uh, it's sort of your work's done then for, for 24 hours until he's back on the training ground, you know, on, on Monday. Um, so, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of wrong things in the club, and I don't think that's one of them. Yeah, Dave said, uh, Dean at the Oak, not a problem. It's a free country, and he is a, a genuine... Uh, guy and Chris said that Benji was spawn. It's not an ego trip. It's just a geezer having a few beers, chatting to fans. Like I say, like back in the day, I mean, Derek Hales would, would probably be in the pub before the game. <laughs> like the players and managers were a lot more accessible, and uh, it's it's a different world now. And I, I can sort of see both sides of it. And and you know, because it is, it can be considered maybe a little bit transparent um, that that people sort of want to get get their face out there and be seen as a good bloke you know because they're you know Dean is trying to negotiate a new contract at the moment but this is a strange club uh, that we are at this moment in time talking to the strange club let's bring up this tweet onto screen from Richard Corley uh, yesterday so we saw in, in the Daily Mail yesterday morning there was some sort of claim from you know clearly from Mevan that he he's going to be launching legal action to the tune of 50 million pounds uh, for a loss of potential earnings and profits, which is, uh, well, I don't know where he plucked that number from, but it's awfully similar to the one uh, that you got to buy the value for. So every time I hear that number, I'm like, oh, God, not that again. Uh, but then uh, Richard uh, got some some quotes off Thomas Sangard uh, about the threat of legal action. Uh, Thomas said that he says there hasn't been any legal action so far. They have threatened that they want some compensation plus their non-refundable deposit back. Sangard says the SC7 group clearly lost exclusivity on February the 1st by not funding 90% of the club's expenses from that point forwards. Uh, Thomas said on uh, February the 10th he uh, had, had had enough of their negotiating tactics and told them they were no longer negotiating. I, I don't want to focus on this for too long, to be honest, Ben, because it's confusing and, and it feels like a load of nonsense and posturing from both sides once again. But my only concern is how long, because part of the threats from Mevan are that he'll add any other potential new owner into the into the lawsuit. Um, so it's, it's clearly a delaying tactic to try and screw us over. Whether it's actually got any legal basis, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'd, I'd be surprised if it did. Um, but it just goes to show that a lot of the characters who try and come in and buy the club and get involved in arguments on both sides, they only care about themselves and, and not the football club. And they're willing to risk putting us further behind on, on where we need to be for their own pure financial greed and that says a lot about the sort of people that we're going to attract as a club at the moment yeah so infuriating i think you hit the nail on the head there it puts us behind we've got fans coming in and obviously us three are really like trying to gain some positives now look forward to next season try and give the youngsters a go like henry like Carnu, try and get them into the side so we can give them a chance and then if they look good like ness has done then they're in the squad for next year and then we don't have to worry about our position as much, like trying to give players a go. But with all this happening in the background and then him trying to say, Mervyn trying to say, oh, it's going to um, stop new ownership coming in because they don't want to deal with him and this legal threat and stuff. Who's that Who's that helping? It's not helping you guys. You're, what, surely his group will now want to try and take over another club if they're, they can't take over Charlton. Um, Sangard then can't move the club on to someone else because they've got this threat and all it does is affect us fans we're sat here, players can leave, players can just go oh well I don't want to stick around here so I want to have a good season next year and clearly at Charlton they can't get the players in at the moment, they don't know who the onus is so it just really affects us as fans doesn't it, it's so infuriating I mean you just don't know where the end game is do you? 
No, and uh, well, it's an absolute mess, as per usual. Right, uh, we're going to bring in Kyle in a few moments' time. Uh, before then, we've still, got, we've still got emails and stuff to come to later on in the show, uh, a few more comments from fans. But uh, as always, we like to get some other fans' voices uh, on the show as well. So Ben very kindly delved into the fans' bar for us after yesterday's game and asked uh, a couple of supporters for their views on the defeat against Sheffield Wednesday. I thought it was going to be an absolute drubbing, to be fair. So, 1-0, I'll take it all day long. But we just, we didn't have anything. I mean, I, I was really good to, it was good to see three at the back and two up front. But Raksaki was limited. He didn't get on the ball. And then when he brought um, Bon on, or when he brought Anike on, it just didn't add anything. It just, it seemed like we were really in, limited in space. They just seemed to be all over us. They seemed to have... Two extra players playing at half time. Well, I was in Derby last week and I was at today's game and I was other two home games. I've not seen no improvement in four games. If we'd have had um, 20 strikers today, it wouldn't have made no difference. We don't look like scoring. We look like collapsing every time the other team come forward. Very poor first half. Better second half. I don't know where we go from here. We need to get a clear out of players, clear out of management. And then we go on from here, and then next season, let's just move on. It's going to take a long time to get into a championship, but we have to start now. I don't think we've got. I don't think we've got enough. I think we. I think overall, Kilkenny in the middle worked well. Dobson was great. He was all over the park. Fraser got on the ball, but we just we didn't seem to have any oomph. But I'll be honest, I think half the folks are on the beach. I don't. I know. I know the players are still working hard, but. We're not playing for anything, and I think that comes through. I, I don't think they really chased anything down that they they would have done at the beginning of the season. We're all trying to prove themselves. Raksaki knows that he's he's dominated. He's he's done his thing. So as long as he keeps moving, he's not got anything to lose. I just don't think that this. I think the players know that the season's over. To be honest. Yes, I do. I think um, we we need uh, Macaulay Bond is isn't the striker that he was when he left here. We tried playing Leeburn up front. He doesn't have the players, and I don't uh, blame him. I just wished he would be more honest with the fans and say we haven't we haven't just got it and try and do it. But the holding factor's gone, and we have to sort of try and get the 50 points and then move on. Don't blame Holden at all. Well, there we go. That was the views from the fans bar after yesterday's game. Thanks to Ben, who went and spoke to a few supporters there. It's, uh, it's one of my favourite features on the show because I love to get other people's voices on it. And uh, part of that is uh, our new feature where we're going to start having various people from around the Charlton family join us uh, on the show uh, on, on a Sunday. So last week we had Greg Stubbley, the, uh, the club commentator. This week it's Kyle Andrews, the club photographer. Good morning, Kyle. Good to see you. Good morning, Louis. Pleasure to be here. As always, everyone should say that. It's always a pleasure to, to get to look at the face of Benji Cloak on a Sunday morning uh, via a definitely, computer screen. Um, yeah. um, well, well, before we sort of delve into, I thought one of the more interesting things that, that you'd be able to tell us about mental aspects of, of how players feel when they're injured. Just your overall thoughts on on yesterday's game um, from a from a slightly 
closer perspective than a lot of us. You, you're basically on the pitch where, where you see it. Um, what, what did you make of yesterday's performance? I mean, I think my main takeaway was what happened at the other end of the pitch at full time, actually, was seeing the Sheffield Wednesday fans and the Sheffield Wednesday players celebrate in the way that they did. Um, someone said to me after the game that they felt it was a, you know, a bit over the top, a bit much. But when you've gone 20 games unbeaten, when you're top of the league, when you're heading towards promotion, you enjoy every second. Um, and, you know, you, you enjoy those moments, both players and fans. And you look at that and you just think, are we... Well, apart from having to be northern, I wish that was us. Um, and you, 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 you can you're see originally that, from Midland Keynes, which is basically northern as far as I'm concerned. But we'll argue about that later. But yeah, you know that's <laughs> that's kind of the takeaway. Is it just we feel so so far away from that, um, and I wish we weren't. Wish that was us. Yeah, and 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 it's not. And uh, like I say, I'm surprised we can even remember what it's like to be. Um, to, to to be a team that's challenging for, for promotion. It feels like a long, long uh, time ago. Now, of course, other, other than being the, the club photographer, one of your, your projects over the last few years is is you ran the uh, the Mental World Balling podcast, which was um, looking at football, not just Charlton, but obviously quite, quite a lot of Charlton influence in there as well, um, in terms of the mental aspect of the game for some of the players involved in it. Now, that, of course, that includes players who are out injured a lot um so chooks and ek obviously sadly the the, the current example of that has, has had all sorts of injury problems um he's now going to be out for a third stint this season um you you spoke on your podcast to the likes of jake forstakaski lewis page who, who who have been through instances like this um can you give us a little insight in, into what it's actually like for the player because we as fans uh, and we're all guilty of it and, and hopefully while gaining more of an understanding of what it's actually like, we, we, we can perhaps th- think differently. But we just think, oh, I can't believe it. You know, so-and-so is out injured again. What are they doing? What what are they like? They're, they're not trying hard enough. But from the players' point of view, they they don't feel like that at all. It's a completely different story. No, it's. I think it's, first of all, as a fan, it's it's difficult to look at a footballer as the first and the footballer second. Um, and I think, that, you know, that, that there's there's an appreciation of, of that if you're not, if you've not got a connection with a player, if you don't, if you, if you don't speak to the players, if you don't understand that, you know, there is a human being behind the bloke that kicks the ball twice a week. Um, and and it, it's tough for footballers as well, I think, to separate themselves from being a footballer. Um, it's something that is drilled into them, um, but it's very hard to avoid building your identity around just being a footballer and not being a human being. You know, from from a young age, all you want to do is be a footballer. They're putting in hours and hours of, from the age of eight until the age of 18 to earn that professional contract. It, it defines who they are. Um, how they perform on a Saturday or a Tuesday defines their worth and their value. Um, and, you know, when you're injured, um, you lose that. You lose your identity. You lose your the, your way of proving your worth and your value. Uh, I guess the counter argument to that is well, they're when they're injured, they're just earning money for for not doing the full extent of the job or second to complain about that. Well, the process of recovery is a grueling one. It's you, know, you go into the training grounds every day. You're off to the gym to do physio work to try and recover. 
you look out see it, the grass and you see your teammates kick the ball around doing what you want to be doing um and especially when you're having to go through that process again and again i mean it's interesting speaking to jake forstakowski he said he found the second time around um in a way easier than the first time around from the the, the mental perspective because he was able to he, because he'd been through it before he knew the process he knew what was going to happen he knew the landmarks and the goals that he needed to reach he could break up more easily um it wasn't right as 11 months until i'm back it was a whole week this would have happened after six weeks this would have happened each one i need to get to um but at the same time there's no getting away from the fact that doing a second acl injury in three years was a very tough thing to very tough thing to take and it will be the same thing for chucks um you know, he he course uh, as, as Benji was saying doesn't want to be injured um doesn't it's no reflection of him as a, a person a reflection of him as someone who doesn't put in enough effort or, or anything along those lines um so I, I just think that it's very very important that supporters look at the human being first rather than the player and at the very least yeah and and it is tough have it some is, empathy is tough and, to... and consider what through rather than the first thing they go for is you know abuse or criticism or, or anything along those lines yeah I'm, i remember one of the the biggest eye-opening things from from your podcast um was was the one with lewis page where he used to where he, where he sort of revealed what was within his dms on instagram like the the torrent of abuse he got from charlton supporters for being injured i found that utterly bizarre because of course he doesn't want to be injured of course he um he uh he doesn't want to be in that space and, and he's sitting there struggling with, with with what's happening to himself and his career and then he's got fans sending him going out of their way to dm him abuse it's so personal and nasty I've, I've never understood that at all um it's really bizarre all hell let loose there's very few other professionals get their performances assessed once or twice a week by hundreds thousands of people uh footballers must be able to turn off the social media noise and we do hear a lot about players who, who who've been on the receiving end of things you know, trying to take themselves away from that that space, the, the social media, because it is it is tough, and and, and that'll be what what Chucks is going through uh, at the moment in time. Right, hang around, Kyle. We're going we're going to get to a couple of the emails as well, but I'll, I'll just keep you in, involved in the in the general discussion. We'll look ahead to Peterborough very very briefly uh, at the end uh, as well. Kyle said, uh, "Morning, gents. I just wanted to say, let's skip over the first half, but it's becoming too much of a regular thing." Uh, the second half of Forest Green, all of the Derby game, and then the first half today, we looked like strangers. We couldn't keep the ball across the pitch. We gave it away. Uh, so often it was easy for Wednesday in the first half. We didn't challenge them or get close uh, to them. And again, they were in second gear and should have been out of sight. Second half, we raised the tempo, had a bit more of a go, but we could have been uh, clinical. Lieban had to bury that chance. Uh, Corey Blackett-Taylor putting an awful ball. Fraser slowed down a threatening counter. I understood why Dean wanted to go with three centre-backs and three central mids. Uh, I don't really think it worked, though. Too many players were out of position or didn't look up. We need some positives, but I can't think of many. Ness was decent. Desrak Saki had some good touches, allowing to get away from Marcus. I was expecting more from Wednesday uh, after your mate's 10-minute uh, chat on Thursday, uh, but perhaps uh, they uh, just didn't have to try so hard and all the cheating had them covered. Keep up the good work. You guys are the only positive attached to chat at the moment. I love the live shows uh, and uh, we'll watch the Sunday one on repeat. Uh, good luck to all those going. Peter Brown, Plymouth, uh, a bunch of crazy people. Yeah, next, uh, next weekend is going to be really interesting with... Um, with Peterborough beating Plymouth by five goals to two. So we've got the double whammy of Plymouth still being the side in the top two that we have to play next weekend, which will be quite tough. But also playing a Peterborough side bang up uh, in terms of uh, confidence. Gary said it was awful. What have we watched this afternoon? 19 minutes of football. We didn't once put Wednesday under any sort of pressure. A couple of chances in the second half was the closest we came. Wednesday seemed to almost think 
they're using the game as a bit of practice could have easily uh, upped it if needed. The scary part is that if that was the best team we could put out, the future does not look good. Um, I mean, Carl, you were there at Derby last week as well. It is quite clear that we're not there, are we? We're not in a situation anywhere near a team like that. And and obviously, we've touched upon the the chaos off the field. It, it, it does. It's, it's the thing that gets me at the moment is is there's no end in sight. There's no light at the end. Um, yeah, I agree with what everyone has been saying over the past two weeks, which is that. You know, we're playing the teams at the top of the division. It doesn't appear like they've got out of second gear. Um, they're going through periods in the game where they're not taking chances and could easily be out of sight by half-time. Um, I think that was especially true for Derby. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... We've got glimpses over the period where, where Holden's been in charge that maybe we can be better than we have showed over the, the season. Um, but they have been small glimpses, and there are there are caveats to that. So you take Forest Green; I think we were incredibly lucky to get points there. Um, you take um, Exeter. I, I missed that game, but I did see that you know Maynard Brewers made an incredible save at the end, and there was a lot of pressure um, on on the team towards the end of that game. Um, and it's you know you look at that. Take yesterday. You look at look at the two squads, man for man. You'd probably take ninety percent of Sheffield Wednesday's team over the equivalent player in, in the Charlton eleven. Um, uh, it's with everything that's going on behind the scenes. It doesn't feel like at any point soon the the squad that Charlton has available, or in the eleven Charlton have available, is going to be able to match the 11s that those at the top of the league do. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah, like, like like I've been saying, we are we are miles off. Uh, David said, uh, Sheffield Wednesday. You could see why it's twenty wins in a row. They weren't. Uh, they were everything that we weren't: intelligent, bigger, taller, faster, stronger. And in Dean Holden's words, they were master of the dark art as well. Uh, there are our boys dug deep. They kept going, which is all we can ask of them. Uh, also said, which part of Sheffield does the referee uh, live in uh, as well? Um, we, Jez playing up top, number 10 yesterday. Um, a lot of calls over the last few weeks, Ben, for two up top. But, I mean, we have played Jez as part of a, of a front two other times this season. I don't think it works. And I I, I think he's better out wide. Um, we want two up top, but maybe not that two. <laughs> yeah, I think Jez works better out wide. That's why Henry doubled on him. Uh, he had that chance. Well, he does come in, so I don't know. I mean, he had that chance against Derby where Bond flicked it on and he was through. Um, I mean, his pace is good like that to get in behind. But, yeah, I don't think that's the answer because then you lose his effect on the wing. Um, yeah, I'd prefer, as, as fans have said, like now if Chucks is out, I'd like to see Carno on the bench. Um, I mean, he's 18. Just like Lieburn, I know he's probably because his build is is different to Lieburn's. Lieburn's obviously very tall and a commanding figure, so that helps him a little bit more. But yeah, I wonder if Lieburn will be able to start on Tuesday because obviously he's just come back from an injury. So might be worth chucking him on the bench and giving him a chance. But yeah, not Jez up front. I don't think that works as well. Mm. Right, let's have a quick look ahead uh, for the final few minutes to Tuesday's game them at Peterborough. Obviously that, that rearranged game following the... Uh, well, the frozen pitch debacle. Joe, looking ahead to that game, uh, as, as I said, with Peterborough picking up that massive, massive result yesterday, that's going to be quite a tough one for us to to try and regroup, especially now if, if as we expect, Chooks is not going to be about. Um, so we're going to be a little bit light up top again. Um, uh, how, how do we feel going into this one? 
<clears throat> I feel like I feel like I want to go there and upset them just because of the debacle that we had last time. I feel like it would be um, you know fair for us to win um, and uh, upset the apple cart. But I think that if they've just scored five and they're coming up against our defence, that's that's not necessarily the most promising sign for us. Um, and we're going to be we're going to be light on bodies again, aren't we? I reckon Lee Burns probably got did go off with a knock. So I think we're probably going to be down to one fully fit striker. Um, and that if, is if Bond is fully fixing Mr. Uh, Mr. Training in the week, didn't he? Um, so I think we're, we're going to be light on options up top. I think we need to find a way to get some more creativity in the side. And I'm not sure what Holden's going to be able to do to, to make that happen between now and Tuesday. It's going to be very limited. So, uh, yeah, and it's a long, it's a long week on the road again which doesn't really, really bode well for us either in terms of getting time on a training pitch to, to get some minutes into players or to assess players that, that have knocks. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be another... I think this week is just going to be a write-off week for the season um, or this stretch of four fixtures even, just going to be a bit of a write-off and get through Tuesday, get through Saturday, and then hopefully there's some fixtures around the corner that we can go and attack and start building into next season from. Uh, but, yeah... Um, Credit to all those people who are going up to the rearranged fixture. Um, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a long old journey, I think, for not a lot of return midweek, unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's uh, pretty much given for pretty much every game these days, anyway. Right, I'm going to call it time there because my my Wi-Fi has given up the ghost, so uh, hopefully it hasn't buffered too much for you guys. Thanks to everyone who's joined us uh, on this week's uh, live stream. Special thanks to Kyle for for coming on. Um, and uh, for Joe and for Ben, it's good to speak to all three of you. Yep, cheers. See you Thanks later, again. Again. Cheers, guys. And, uh, excellent stuff. I'm uh, Louis Meadows. Thanks for joining us then on our live stream or on the podcast afterwards. We shall see you again on Thursday. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.